Hello and welcome to the 250, your weekly podcast looking at the IMDb's top 250 movies of all time, and sometimes desperately looking for Halloween-esque content, the bottom 100 as well. <laughs> I'm your host, Darren Mooney, and joining me, as always, is my co-host, Andrew Quinn. How are you, Andrew? I'm awesome. Thank you. How are, how are you doing, Dan? It's, it's been a long, long week full of topical things that have happened, which we don't have time to get into or discuss. But a lot has happened since last we talked and since we last talked to our two fantastic guests. First of all, the wonderful Joey Kyo. How are you, Joey? I'm well. I'm excited to talk about the movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's completely unprompted. Um, <laughs> and Dr. Bernice Murphy, how are you, Bernice? I'm I'm feeling the worst for having to discuss this film, and I feel that it it has diminished us all as a culture that this film exists. Oh, <laughs> yes. It, cer- <laughs> it certainly cheapens you, Bernice, and 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 your legacy and and reputation. Uh, I think I'm starting to think at this point that you guys are actually engaged in some sort of elaborate torture campaign against me because it started with the Exorcist Part 2. Then we had Manos to Hand of Fate. And now we've reached... Yes. That was my fault. Nadir. Nadir Joey, of course, he was there for Manos as well. The absolute Nadir of yes. the com- most one of the most boring films I've ever been subjected to. I tell you, I've I seen <laughs> No holding back there. No need to, no need to tell. No, but I'll, I'll get into my true feelings about the film in a moment. <laughs> Bernice is just working the body, as we, as they say in boxing now. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yes, we are talking about S. Darko, the Chris Fisher 2009 unofficial sequel to Donnie Darko. First of all, I owe Joey, Bernice, Andrew, our audience, and my past self an apology for this. Um, but uh, this was my idea because as as we kind of, when we had Bernice on the past, we came up with a clever, in inverted commas, idea of like over Halloween, we would sandwich Halloween between like a great movie that was on the 250 and its sequel that was on the bottom 100. She mentioned The Exorcist, The Exorcist 2. Uh, you know, another candidate would have been like Blair Witch, which was on the 250 and Book of Shadows, which was on the bottom 100. And I figured since Donnie Darko came into the 250, we do Donnie Darko and we do S Darko, which had also kind of been on the bottom 100. I should maybe watch these movies before I suggest that other people watch them, is what I have learned. I am very sorry. It's basically my way of introduction to that. But before we get into that, had anybody here seen S. Darko beforehand? Like, so, like, Bernice, you, you said you were a big fan of Donnie Darko. You saw it at the IFI Horathon. Uh, you spoke about it very fondly last week. Had you ever any, well, did you know that S. Darko existed and had you any curiosity, whether morbid or otherwise, about it? I mean, I knew it existed in the same way I know that botulism exists. And I know this is why we don't (laughs) eat improperly canned food. Hmm. That's the context in which I became aware of S. Darko, um, a film so mediocre and banal that it's not even an, an entertaining bad film. As you know, my theory of bad films is that if a film is so bad, it's kind of incredible. That's a whole other category of bad film. This film isn't in that category. Like, Manos Hand of Fate is in that category. This film is in the, it's also tremendously boring and tedious and uninteresting. And, simultaneously, a bad film. So, no, I hadn't seen it before. Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to watch it. And talk about it. I, I feel like it built character. That, that's what I'm going to say. It built character. Like botulism. through. It tried to stand on the shoulders of kind of Donnie Darko and Manos Hands of and, and Hands of Faith, um, 
by starting with like a a, um, a car arriving somewhere and having, <laughs> having then then to stay there um i guess i mean like Which, it yeah. spoils nothing to reveal that like this movie this movie oddly enough owes a lot to the star wars franchise or the star wars franchise owes a lot to this it has an opening crawl like all of the star wars films the subtitle of the movie is s darko a donnie darko tale prefiguring solo a star wars story and i read the opening text of the crawl which was middlesex virginia in 1988 donnie darko was killed when a jet engine fell from the sky and crushed him while he was sleeping and my immediate thought was well at least he didn't have to watch s darko <laughs> but joey had you as as somebody who like we've, we've had you on the podcast before we talked about like you know we talked about like the Jaws sequels, which are you know known whether fairly or not as bad, terrible films. Um, you have kind of like an interest in that area. Were you familiar with S. Darko uh, before I said, would you like to talk about it? And had you seen it before? So I was familiar with it, but I hadn't seen it before because I thought it was kind of hard to find for a while. But I did find it on YouTube and I paid three euro to watch it. In standard definition. <laughs> it is more easily available than Donnie Darko. It's easier to get a hold of than Donnie Darko. Yes. Oh, you, oh, Bernice, you have no idea. Do you want to know what else it is more than Donnie Darko? Profitable. No. Yep, this movie is more profitable than Is this a money laundering scheme for drug runners or something? I don't get that. (laughs) Yeah, like um, the producer Adam Fields, who has nothing to do with this movie, who's only like... Because they got their insurance money on it, wasn't it? Yeah, but he, he says, like, he, he gets checks in the mail for S. Darko, a movie he had nothing to do with because he was involved in Donnie Darko and so inherited a claim on S. Darko. He's yet to receive any financial compensation for Donnie Darko, but he gets a check every once in a while for $75 from S. Darko. Wow. Which is kind of depressing. <laughs> that's academic publishing money right there. I mean, that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. yeah um, it's more royalties than I get, you know, quarterly for the books I write. Um, <laughs> all right. This is going to be, we're hoping it's going to be a short one. So we're just going to jump right on in here. Bernice, is S. Darko one of the worst 100 movies ever made? No, I don't even think it qualifies for that distinction. It's an utterly mediocre, uh, pathetic cash grab. Um, intellectual property assault. Um, I have sympathy for the actors and the cast and crew involved because I'm sure they work very hard in it. And you know, every every film is an accomplishment. But um, this is just uh, it's just a, it's just dreadful. It's just it's tremendously tedious. I I honestly, there's no way in hell if I didn't have to record a podcast, I I would have checked out after ten minutes. You know, and part of me wishes that I had, and part of me still there watching the film as well. In it, over and over again and then halfway through the film you stop the film and then someone else comes in and they start watching the film yeah. but then and they yeah. stop the and film then and then e- you come back in and an it. even more boring character takes over from me and then i'm back at the yeah. very end so it's it, it yeah. echoes the film like that so yeah um i mean yeah i we talked last week about how like to prepare for donnie darko i watched donnie darko donnie darko the director's cut southland tales southland tales the can cut the box donnie darko again all of that felt shorter than the first 15 minutes of this movie. 
Um, Andrew has talked on this podcast before about that moment when you're watching a bad movie and you prick the pause button to see how much is left. <laughs> I had that 15 minutes into this movie. I was like, I've been sitting here for an hour. And it's like, no, Darren, you've been watching for 13 minutes and 14 seconds. And it's like, no. It feels very, <laughs> very long. It, it really does. It feels longer than the entirety of Richard Kelly's filmography. And one of those is a three hour futuristic epic with the rock in it that he had to cut 20 minutes out of. <laughs> um, Joey, what about yourself? Do you think this belongs on the list of the 100 worst movies ever made? I don't. And I reckon the only reason it's on there is because it's, it's connected to Donnie Darko some way. I like, I don't think as Bernice says, it's not offensively bad. It's just kind of mediocre. It's just sort of middling where, there, there's not even anything about it, apart from, I suppose, the presence of alleged rapist Ed Westwick, uh, who I still really fancy. So <laughs> that was that was exciting for me, was to watch it and be like, ooh, oh, wait, no. Oh. But yeah, still, I'm still into it. Um, but yeah, apart from that, it's like what... I mean, if that's it, that's from the from Gossip Girl, White Gold, Children of Men. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Playing bad boy Randy Holt. He was uh, most recently in that crazy movie. Oh, my God. What was it called? It was um it was a vanity project. It was supposed to be like a lady American psycho with this blonde woman. Oh my god, I can't remember what it's called. Oh, Me You Madness, uh, written, directed, and produced by Louise Linton. That's the one with a crazy accent, and that's the only work he can get, obviously, because he's been blackballed because <laughs> of the allegations. Um, he's really hot in that too. <laughs> uh, just to say, but um, yeah, it's there's just kind of nothing to it. I suppose if you're really, really into Donnie Darko, like that's why that's, this has been voted down so much. This is why it's in the bottom 100. But for me, it's just like, I probably won't even remember I've seen this in a few months time. Um, yeah, I mean, again, like we asked, we talked about Speed 2. We were like, why is Speed 2 on the bottom 100? It doesn't seem like a movie internet nerds would be very protective of. Mm. Donnie Darko, on the other hand, as we discussed last week, feels like a movie that teenagers in 1999, 2001 would be very protective of and kind of explains why this movie got as vicious a reaction as it did. And we'll include some choice, choice reviews in the show notes. They're <laughs> all terrible. Um, there's, there's, it's one of those movies where there is a real competition among young men on the internet to see how mean they could be about this movie. Um, Andrew, what about yourself? Do you think this movie belongs on a list of the 100 worst movies ever made? Also, I didn't ask you because I just assumed and that was rude, but I assume you had not seen this before I texted you and said we're talking about this movie. I had not, no. Um, and I, I I agree with kind of the reasons why it's maybe on the list, but um, I do think this is offensively bad. <laughs> I, th I think it's it's very, very, very bad, and not just uh, um, uh, boring. I think it, it's like you, you, you get all of the kind of hints that it's a bad movie as well. It's like... like it, often a, a bad movie starts with like a kind of a chintzy or bad production card and and then and then it, it's followed by like a a child's intro written in the kind of font that like a child might uh, put something in if it was using a word processor mm -hmm. yeah to, to to make something look kind of grown up um and it it's 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 just so I mean, I, I, I think the end of it is perhaps better than the than most of it, but it, it, it takes such a very long time to go to get there. And in, in, in absolute terms, it's not even that long of a movie. No, it's shorter than Donnie no. Darko. <laughs> exactly. But it feels so, so long. And the, 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 
um it's it's it doesn't know how to tell stories it's it's like um excruciatingly kind of weirdly puritanical while also kind of trying to be kind of um salacious subversive yeah. in some ways there, there's there's so many stunted lazy lines kind of delivered um sleepily by kind of um actors who have no conviction in what they're saying because of course they don't and i i i feel I feel like it was kind of like like I don't know how I'm 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 sure there was a lot of hard work went into this, but I don't feel like it was a labor of love. Don't you don't get that kind of impression from it? <laughs> you don't get the vibe that anybody truly believed in it. Yeah, yeah, because there are there are like you know things that the the. the there, there, there are people in in professions who can be asked to do their job less well and just hurry up and let's get this over with. <laughs> and this feels like um, one, 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 one of those cases. There's like, uh, the, yeah, the, I, I, I thought this was very bad. Like one of the, the but it, w- it would be in the kind of bottom end of like uh, bad movies we've seen. I think. Yeah, I mean, not not to jump ahead to the second question, but yes, I am also going to work the body. Um, I <laughs> I would say that if you are going to make an argument for this being on the bottom 100 outside of the fact that Donnie Darko is a quote-unquote sacred text for a certain generation of moviegoer, who is more likely to vote on this list than other people, <laughs> I would say that, yeah, if you're making a list of bad movies, this is full of all the things that make movies bad. It looks awful particularly following donnie darko we talked about like donnie darko's use of things like anamorphic widescreen we talked about like its use of you know lighting and atmosphere the way in which it's framed very carefully like we we didn't even talk about like kelly's visual storytelling the way that he guides the camera um the tricks that he uses obviously the ramping is the big one but like motivated camera movements and stuff like that which are just good visual storytelling and watching s darko immediately afterwards where this is shot on a red digital camera um, it is chief of cinema, the head cinematographer on this is Marvin V. Rush, um, who, uh, shout out to myself and something myself and Andrew will admire, cin- chief cinematographer on the Star Trek franchise during the 90s. Um, he was cinematographer on Next Generation, Deep Space Nine for the first two seasons and Voyager. Um, and and they worked on this. And worked on this, um, yes. Um, yeah, it has the look of a, a 90s television production. TV. Yes, it does. It absolutely yeah, does. It's like Ro- Roswell or... It's overlit. Um, the, the, there's no sense of like... There's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of really bad green screen work, despite the fact that they were shooting in Utah. There's a moment where John Hawks is standing in front of a desert. And it's very clear that he was, I don't know, working on Winter Bone for his next Oscar nomination. Mm-hmm. And they were like, well, you shoot an insert for us? Like, sure, I'll do it in front of a green screen. It's just terribly made. It's also lazy. It's also the way in which it reduces the original Donnie Darko to a series of iconography quirks, references, set pieces, plot points, character beats, and then just regurgitates them up like a bird feeding its young child um, is bad. Um, (laughs) This is how I would describe it. It's very bad, Darren says eloquently. Um, but it does, it's it's not a story. It's not a narrative. It's not a film. It's not about anything. No. It's just a bunch of stuff that was in an earlier movie that made a bunch of money. So we're just going to capitalize on it in the most ruthless and cynical manner possible. So if you are going to put it on the bottom 100, I have absolutely no objection with it being there. Um, 
Sorry, I'm very mean and catty today. Um, <laughs> Bernice, is this one of the worst 100 movies you have ever seen? I mean, again, I don't think it's distinguished enough to, to warrant a place in the, that coveted top 100 position. <laughs> 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 I think ultimately it's fitting fate is just to be forgotten about, and I'm sure it will be. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's not even interesting enough for that. It's just profoundly tedious. I mean, again, like it is, it is worth noting that like, you know, the way in which Kelly talks about it, like I've never seen it. It was horribly violating. It was incredibly painful to think about what they were doing. And it made me very angry, filled with rage. I hate it when people ask me about that sequel because I had nothing to do with it. I hate it when people try to blame me or hold me responsible for it because I had no involvement. These people are making lots of money. They're certainly making lots of money. It's, it's, yeah, it is a little bit infuriating. Kelly's talked about like wanting to do a sequel to Donnie Darko just so this one would be completely forgotten. Like an almost like a spiteful return to Donnie Darko so that this movie would be completely erased uh, from cultural memory. But Joey, is this one of the worst 100 movies you have ever seen? No, I mean, I'm, I'm with Bernice. It's just not, it's not special enough to be that kind of bad. It's... Yeah, I like I, I'm struggling to even kind of remember anything about it now, even though I have tons of notes and most of the notes are like, how did this get made kind of notes where it's like, why is this styling so weird? Like, why is she dressed like a Mormon? And then Jackson Rathbone is wearing like these very oversized shorts the whole time. And there's just there's so much about it that it, it's just really bland almost. Um, so, yeah, it's it's not one of the worst I've ever seen because it doesn't have that kind of there's nothing distinctive about it. Um, and Andrew, what about yourself? Yeah, like, like I probably would. I, 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 I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't bring it to Bad Movie Island. I don't think. Even though there were, there were moments that kind of made me laugh out loud. Um, and were they moments that were meant to make you laugh out loud, or moments that were not? No, because no, the movie you, does you see, try to be. It, it doesn't. It doesn't have any of the kind of subversive humor of Donnie Darko. It has kind of like offensive stuff that ages really badly, but the 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 but like had aged really badly in two thousand and nine is the thing. Like this is an Obama era movie, yeah, which is kind of weird to go back and see that there are jokes that consist of "Are you gay? I don't <laughs> think you're gay. Are you a gay? Are you a gay? Yeah, um, yeah." And it's like this is two thousand and nine, two thousand and nine. Yeah, it's wild. The the and the, that's I I I. I think we can safely say that that's not kind of like us us being like, oh, how enlightened we are now in 2022. And how history has moved that dial over the past 13 years. Yeah, it's just it's just a movie. It's just being kind of dumb, you know, you know, you 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 you, you look back at at, at at stuff even like um uh, like TV shows that were kind of like beloved and, and think like, oh, they didn't, they didn't really kind of um, do that very well. But they, this, this is like another thing. It's just kind of la- lazy. This isn't like friends having like blind spots. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is just complete kind of like, like la- laziness. Exactly. Yeah, actually friends was the thing I was thinking of. Yeah, it, it, it would, it would be one of the worst 100 movies I've ever seen, I think. Um, and for myself, uncharacteristically, yes. Um, 
I hate this. I hate this movie. I hate this movie so much. Um, <laughs> in my soul, in a way, rubbish, isn't in it? a way, sorry, in a way that I try not to hate movies because I like movies, uh, and I understand that movies are products of work, and people work very hard on movies. And generally, I'll try to coach and kind of hedge my bets here. But yeah, no, I, I hate this movie. Every every fiber of my being, it has that thing that really irks me. And it's a thing that happens at film festivals where people will be when 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 you review when you talk about like David Lynch or Richard Kelly and you say those they're great filmmakers they make great films people go ah oh, but their films don't make sense you're just reading too much in it's just nonsense it's 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 complete it's whatever stream of consciousness is running through their head you're interpreting and reading too much into it and I think when I go to film festivals I will regularly see movies that are trying to ape the style of filmmakers like Kelly or like Lynch or whatever. And it becomes very obvious that whatever one thinks of them, Kelly and Lynch have like actual craft and technique and perspective that their films aren't just weird for the sake of being weird, that their weirdness reflects a worldview that maybe only makes sense to them, that maybe isn't open to interpretation from others, but that is internally coherent and adheres to a logic that they understand. And therefore, as a result, the end product is cohesive, even if you can't necessarily understand exactly everything that's going on in it. And when every once in a while, when I go to film festivals and it happens when I watch this, you see a movie that feels like a filmmaker going, ah, I can do that. Mm. I can do what Lynch or Kelly do. It's just a bunch of nonsense you throw at the screen. Yeah. It's a bunch of confusing stuff and ambiguity and references and things that don't make sense or things that are uncanny or unusual. And, you know, people will eat that up because there's no real artistry to it. And it becomes very clear when you watch something like S. Darko that even something like, say, even the Lynch movies I don't like, like Inland Empire, they're much, much, much better than this because this is just a banal, boring person's idea of what a weird and unique viewpoint is. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I loathe it with every fiber of my being, which feels very mean, but it's true. Um, all right, then. It taunts me. <laughs> it, it tasks I stab me. at thee. <laughs> it tasks me, Andrew, and I shall have it. Um, chase it round the moons it, of Nivian, round perdition's flames, before I give it up. That kind of idea is that, uh, like, Hacks kind of um, look at kind of groundbreaking films and forget the ways in which they're very conventional. You know, that they're still telling a story and that they haven't forgotten, craft. you know, how to do that. Yeah. yeah but there's, well, also, but even just basic things like craft. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like Donnie Darko looks good because somebody paid attention to what the film looked like mm. because somebody thought about how it was shot and how it was lit how it was framed what the compositions were like that sorry, sorry and i apologize to mr rush but that that is no no it, it, that's but anyway sorry that is that is my 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 venting on this and i'm sorry uh bernice if listeners have not seen s darko and have not already made up their minds on the subject from the vibes that we are very clearly sending here. Would you recommend that they pause the podcast and stream it and help generate another royalty check for the producers? Only if they were a person I I was uh, I had real problems with. Um, <laughs> and actually, there's very few, very few people in the world that I would inflict this film on. So there you go. All right. So if I recommend this film to you personally, you know that I have a real issue with you. 
and it's it's serious. <laughs> Passive aggressive film recommendation. Yeah. It's like yeah. no, you don't get Donnie, you get S. You're gonna um, love it. You just need to give it an hour, and then there's a really big twist that just makes the first hour suddenly it's incredible. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, it's the first hour and forty two minutes. It's once you hit hour one forty three, that's when it really clicks. It's a real bit uh, and switch. It's very meta. Yeah. yeah. Pay attention to that OJ Simpson thing because that's gonna come back. <laughs> it's like one cut of the dead. You think you're watching one thing, but actually you're watching another thing. I'll do that. You know. Yeah. It's, it's like when when the ter- when the words directed by Chris Fisher appear on screen, it's like then they've got you. Um, that's as good as it's going to get. Joey, what about yourself? If listeners have not seen S. Darko, would you recommend that they pause the podcast and stream it to a local device? No. Extraordinary is on YouTube for a euro more. So watch that. <laughs> oh, Extraordinary is fantastic. Extraordinary is great. I just watched it again last night because I saw that it was on there while I was watching S. Darko. <laughs> and I was like, ooh. That's the best. I come from Donnie Darko watching it hard so far that it made you watch Extraordinary again. Yep. I love it so much. Oh. It's fantastic. I adore it's so it. good. Yeah. It's great. Oh. My cousin worked on it as a cameraman. Or sorry, he's a focus puller. He hates when people call you. He's not a cameraman. He's specific to focus puller, which I gather is some kind of other type of cameraman. There you go. Yeah. What, what is that? He pulls <laughs> focus, focus, Joey. He pulls um. focus. <laughs> But what does that mean? <laughs> is he being like, look over here? <laughs> <laughs> he walks on camera when something important is happening and points over at here. it. <laughs> you guys. He's, he's that guy that Christian Bale gets angry at. Oh, God. That was the lighting guy now. Come on. <laughs> no, he, but he pulled his focus during the scene. It's like, that's that's the focus puller's job, you lighting guy. That's why he got so angry. How dare um, you? <laughs> You want me to oh. trash your lights? Um, so, so <laughs> Andrew, would so you recommend that listeners pause the podcast and stream S. Darko to a local device? Um, no, uh, I mean, I, I should qualify. There are perhaps reasons why someone might want to watch this because kind of life is meaningless. Like you have to kind of fill your, your, your hours somehow. Um, I suppose if you're a bit of a completionist and you've seen maybe all of the films, the, yeah, all the films, and this is another film, um, the um, it's definitely not like an episode of a TV show or a book. Um, uh, but no, if it kind if, of it looks like an episode of a TV show, but anyway. yeah, it does. If you feel obliged to watch it after having seen Donnie Darko. Which Richard Kelly feels that you shouldn't. <laughs> but um, No, to be fair, Richard Kelly feels like you shouldn't feel obligated to watch it after having made Donnie Darko. Exactly, yeah. They, 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 um, or, or if you... Um, I doubt... Like, do we, do, I wonder, do we have people who've listened to every episode of this the podcast? The Completionist, yeah. And, and must also watch the movies? Because that, that, that is kind of like... Yeah, statistic. I I would feel bad about that. I feel bad enough having asked Bernice and Joey to watch this. <laughs> I mean, yeah, this is why Bernice only does two episodes a year at Halloween. It takes a full year to recover. <laughs> Independently wealthy people who can afford to watch this movie and don't have anything better to be doing can also get Bernice's book. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> California Gothic, now available in all good bookshops. Except it is. Yeah, it's a much better use of your time. <laughs> 
you can you can stick it on in the background while reading it and prevent your eyes from yeah. wandering away from the book because they might catch S. Darko. Exactly. I did find <laughs> my myself wanting to see. Oh, is there anything on my phone? I want. <laughs> and then then realizing I shouldn't do that. Like I'm supposed to be like talking about this on a podcast. You're a professional. I hate when I'm listening to a podcast and people say like, "Oh, this movie sucked." I kind of stopped watching it. Um, I'm like, no. Yeah, why, why am I listening then? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Why am I listening? Yeah. Exactly. It's like when people live tweet films. I, I don't know who started that, but that needs to stop. <laughs> like, you should not be tweeting while you're watching a movie. Oh, actually, I completely agree. Yeah, I, it's, it's, yeah. Because I, I, I'm a loser. I put my phone, like, on the chair away from me. Because I wouldn't, but I mean, I wouldn't sit there for an hour and a half scrolling through Facebook anyway. So yeah. I don't really understand that, but. I feel like writing notes like I, 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 like generally, I'll like pause it and write a note because it does kind of take away from the experience. But so does pausing it. Did we? Okay, I, I think we lost. Oh, I, oh, I thought he was just taking a really long pause. <laughs> oh, sugar. I was like, I was like, yes. <laughs> he's, he's building up. To, lean in. He's building up to something. Andrew. <laughs> At this stage, she's probably just messing with us, right? Um, is this what focus pulling is, Bernice? <laughs> I think he's pulling both. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, 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 yeah, it was good. I'm back. All right, I've stopped his video. Andrew, can you hear us now? I can, I can. I don't know why my video stopped. You st- Did you stop my video? This is what S. Darko does to people. Yeah, it just breaks you. And yeah, in terms of, of recommendations for myself, no, no, no. No. I watched this twice because I couldn't keep my eyes on it the first time. Um, I tried really hard uh, because of like for the reasons that you mentioned, this is the podcast I'm hosting. Also, I asked everybody to do it so I don't get to get out of it. <laughs> um, so I was like. Oh. Oh, Coming on. through from the other dimension. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Coming in from the tangent universe. Frank got him. Oh. <laughs> um, 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 I'm back. Yeah. It sounds like a little song. It, it does. It sounds like you're being kind of auto-tuned. It sounds a lot like the score, which I wrote Apes the Original, <laughs> quite obviously. <laughs> and it's also really intrusive. We can kind of hear you. You're kind of like gliding. It's like... You're like the little girl in Poltergeist. <laughs> yes. Look, Andrew, if you didn't watch the movie, it's fine. You don't have to... Uh... Come into the light, Andrew. Oh, okay. He's, he's, gonna, he's lost. He's going to come back. So two seconds. Yeah, I don't think he is coming back. <laughs> I, I, don't think, I wouldn't blame him. Um, I do feel like, yeah, if, if this is the thing that breaks the podcast, I'm willing to own he that. He had a good run. Um, he had a good run. We, we, did, we did have a good run. I would rather S. Dark, who wasn't our last episode, but I guess that's <laughs> one way to go. Um, but yeah, no, absolutely do not watch this under any circumstances. Uh, it is terrible. Um, it lasts forever. I somewhere I am still watching S. Darko. Um, I'm not coming back from that. Um, I yeah, I, I do actually. I think this is terrible. I think this is like not. It's not that it's. It's not just that it's not good, and it's not just that it's mediocre. I think this is actively terrible in a way that is like not fun or good, but is like corrosive. Um, I I, I loathe this movie. Uh, so no, don't watch it. Uh, but feel free to join us on the other side. Of the spoiler zone, if Andrew comes back. <laughs> Hello? All right, Andrew hasn't come back yet, so I'm going to queue us up there. Um, so, <laughs> Joey, 
Yes. What is S. Darko about for you? Um, it's about a young woman who runs away from home and, you know, finds this whole group of new people uh, and then she dies and then she comes back and... I don't know. I see. I'm I'm torn in a way because I think it's kind of admirable that it's focusing on a woman because Donnie Darko was so male centric, but I just think they do her so dirty. Like I don't know what Samantha wants. I don't know what she's doing. And then in the end, she just goes back. <laughs> she's like, "Okay, time to go home." Yeah. Like I, it's like they wrote themselves into a corner. Um. But yeah, it's. I don't know. I don't know. Well, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> it's worth noting that like Davy Chase is the only returning cast member. Um, obviously, Mary McDonald at this stage was working in Battlestar Galactica. Mm. They asked Maggie Gyllenhaal to come back and make a cameo. And apparently she laughed out loud at the idea. Um, and I love that they couldn't even get Holmes Osborne, who's like Richard Kelly's Robert De Niro. And he was like, no, I'm not doing it either. Um, but Davy Chase is the only returning actor. So she did play Samantha Darko in the original. Um, she's again child actor who's been around she did the voice of lilo in lilo and stitch uh she did chihiro uh in the english version of spirited away which we covered on this podcast for example um she appeared in the english adaptations of the ring which i think bernice mentioned kind of last week as well so she played samara in both english versions there i don't blame her for the problems with this movie but this movie has no interest in her as a character i think she's she's good though and i wrote that she has beautiful hair (laughs) <laughs> that was the note i wrote down was beautiful hair <laughs> well that was the casting director of the ring i think maybe also had the that note yeah, as well they did yes posting on the creepy long haired japanese there were so many of those as a response to the ring there were so many of those yeah. um mediocre yes. straight to dvd and not straight to dvd um um hollywood films about creepy girls with long hair and long, long brown hair and i think that was Davy Chase's kind of ticket Hollywood and brunettes don't get me started but it's a big thing in horror if you're going to go crazy in a a film a horror film a murder people you'll always be a brunette very be a brunette redheads we don't even get a look in but um although I think lately lately it's kind of flipping the other way though because lately it's like that like if you look at something like fall it's the blonde who's really sort of out of sorts and then the brunette who's really laid back and solid and knows what she's doing i think it's kind of turning and now they're thinking no the brunette is good and the blonde is crazy i mean like me you and madness is like the lead there is blonde right yes she's blonde as as our expert in the ed westwick filmography oh yes (laughs) it's interesting because like in in reality of course it is redheads who are the um like the 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 real crazies oh like, yes who, who are like <laughs> legitimately <laughs> like um, well i yeah, have auburn yeah. hair so <laughs> i couldn't possibly comment <laughs> yeah yeah no <laughs> um, i mean like this is a movie with a surprisingly stacked cast for what feels like a cynical cash-in like we mentioned it has john hawks in it yeah two times academy award nominee like the year after this he's starring in winter's bone and getting his oscar nomination he's one of the guys who's been like one of the great hollywood working actors and he's here playing motel owner creep dude um who gets nothing to do uh, Elizabeth Berkey, Berkeley pops up in one of the myriad aborted and unresolved plot yes. threads. Mm. Um, who, by the way, 
her big break before all this was Showgirls, which was directed Showgirls. by Paul Verhoeven. Obligatory Robocop. Obligatory Robocop. <laughs> um, but like, it has a cast of actors who are actual actors. They're like, they're not nobodies, but it can't do anything with them. It has no interest in any of them in any way that's at they, all compelling. Sorry. Beg, beg to differ. Oh, okay. Uh, El- <laughs> Elizabeth Brackley's Jesus talk is amazing. It's like asked, do you, you have a, a special relationship with Jesus? What is he like? And she's like, oh, he's he's big, he's strong, he's tan, and he's lots of muscles, and there's lightning that shoots out of his eyes. He's awesome. And then she says, like, Caneo Springs used to be a good place before the drugs and the anus sex. <laughs> it's it's incredible. Um, I mean, that is that is one. OK, so lots of problems with this movie, the most obvious of which is the fact in which it just does all the stuff that Donnie Darko did, both stylistically and narratively. So you get lots of dream sequences that are dark. Lots of people who are like zombies. You get the bunny mask appearing and the meteor smashing mm. in the shape of the bunny mask, for example. You get characters who are obviously retreads of other characters. You get the ending of the original Tony Darko no fewer than at least three times. Yeah. Where characters will stop the movie and then reset the movie to a certain point and then let the movie continue, which is just inexcusable. But you also obviously get like Pastor John Wayne, uh, who is very clearly meant to be the Jim Cunningham character who literally has has a kiddie porn dungeon, which is a dungeon filled with children that he is abusing, which, by the way, the movie leaves the child in at the end. Yeah, what's uh, that about? Why was that? And, and he's so sad. He's like, help me. Oh, we can't help you. We're watching the movie. We're not there. I mean, Chris Chris Fisher, the director, said that was the one thing he got notes on from Fox. Because obviously Fox, like, produced and distributed this. They're like, we're not too keen on the ending where you leave the child, like, being sexually abused in a dungeon. And he's like, too bad. That's my vision, baby. Um, but but yeah, it's it's a weird choice. I mean, it you could argue at a push it maybe underscores, like, the weirdness of the Donnie Darko ending where it's like, Patrick Swayze's character like doesn't go to prison if Donnie Darko dies Mm. and is that a happy ending and like what that means and that's something the movie leaves unresolved but like closing on a montage of like Patrick Swayze crying in shame at himself is a different ending than closing on a shot of as Joey said a little boy behind locked bars reaching towards the camera wondering when they'll let him out uh, because they need to get that shot it's it's really bizarre and it it's it's so terrible because it's so obviously like repeating what they did with the Cunningham character in the previous movie it's like there's nothing like the the burning down of the church is the exact same thing for example mm. um you know what it is it's like the Star Wars holiday special of Donnie Darko <laughs> except without any redeeming entertainment value that is, that is fair. There's no moment where people sit down and talk in Wookiee for an extended kind of for 30 no minutes. Musical, there's no effective musical interludes in it, for instance. Yeah, no That's animated true. sequences introducing characters that are wonderfully toyetic. Um, I believe it's brought to um, Officer Odell's attention later on uh, that Reverend John um, kept this uh, uh, like child porn uh, dungeon and he, his response is like, Why? what happened? 
nothing I can do about it. <laughs> you know, as, as the, like you're the police. The, the police chief. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is a film set in the 90s, so there was a lot of that going around with the authorities in the 90s. <laughs> the spotlight. Yeah. Um, <laughs> We're missing the moment where, like, uh, Corey goes, and you let it happen um, in a big corridor, kind of it, shouting. Everybody knew. It, it feels like drink driving as well is is like there's something that like we we touch on in a lot of these kind of movies. It, it, yeah, what is that? It's it, it it's crazy. Like in 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 America, their attitude to it. I think it's because they feel that their cars are too big. <laughs> that like they'll be fine. You know. <laughs> What's that line from The Simpsons? You know, SUVs are more likely to be involved in fatal accidents fatal for the drivers in the other cars <laughs> exactly yeah, yeah that's the thing is that they're always like they it gets to like a critical mass where it's like oh no the chances of you driving into another suv are quite high yeah. Um, but yeah no like there is that whole big thing with like randy holt and like again like none of this stuff is interesting and none of this stuff is, is kind of compelling or anything like that but there's like yeah the the, the way in which Holt is introduced like a 50s bad boy where he's smoking cigarettes and he's drink driving the oh. way in which like they show you that Samantha's next to an engine so hot <laughs> next to an engine lots of like uh, uh, flammable kind of tar rags and stuff is it would you go so far as to say it's inappropriate Andrew yeah. but he has his cigarettes up his sleeve the whole time as well I love that like a 50s greaser yeah again like a, like yeah. a yeah like literally like Danny Zuko <laughs> like <laughs> Who is this guy? Snake from The Simpsons. Yeah, like Snake, exactly, even better. Like, who is this guy? What does he want? What is his life? And he seems like quite a kind-hearted fellow. So it's like, I don't understand how he's also a blicky helps them with their car. And, you know, how is he also a bad boy? It's just, there's simultaneously way too much going on with the missing kids with the ptsd guy yeah it's like it's way and then obviously all the they're trying to redo all the donnie darko stuff too and it just becomes way too much they don't focus on anything and then you realize they've absolutely nothing to say about any of it yeah like it's it's the epitome of just throwing everything at the wall and seeing what sticks (laughs) like as you say at the end there's all these plot threads where you're like but wait a minute what happened with that her friend just stays there like, <laughs> friend's just like, oh, I guess I'll stay then. Okay. Was she even going out with him? Like, I don't know. She even look happy to stay. She's just Not like, at all. Mm. Not at all. Like, I, I guess mean, the script kind of says that I have to. Pretty I much mean, like, you have to, like, like, why does she turn on her as well? She turns on her for no reason where she's suddenly like, I hate you, Samantha. It's like, what? Why'd you make her come with you then? (laughs) They're like... What is this? They're needlessly nasty to lots of people who are strangers. Mm. And it's not that surprising when they're also like mean to like the only people who are there for them. Like like anyone trying to uh, show them a kindness or offer them like a, a... a service is like, hey, uh, can is there anyone else we can go to? Yeah, you know, to to, to who will fix fix our 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 car for last or whatever. To, um, and what's weird is they don't. Nobody really does them wrong. Like no, no, really. Like everyone who's offering their kindness is doing it genuinely. Even Ed Westwick. So why are they so dubious about everyone? That's the thing about this. Like, this feels like it should be like a wrong turn kind of movie. It's yes. Like, right. Outsiders come to this strange town to discover all this unpleasant stuff that's lurking just beneath the surface. You know, like U-turn, wrong turn. 
uh, that Kurt Russell movie with the truckers, um, which again, very mid nineties, but the breakdown, 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 yes, break, breakdown. I fantastic. A, I wrote a book about spooky highways. So actually I got quite excited when this film started because I thought, oh, spooky highway. <laughs> Wait, did you write about, did you write about Joyride? Was Joyride in there? Hey there, Candy Cane. Yeah, I love Joyride. <laughs> Joyride's the best. Okay, we're going to talk about Joyride for another 20 minutes. <laughs> that has sequels as well. That has sequels as well, darn. <laughs> Very bad ones. <laughs> Freeway is I the best. Like, Freeway. I feel like at, at some point they call that character the kind of guy with PTSD, Iraq oh, bless Jack. Him. Iraq Jack, yeah. And then, and then they forgot that his name is Sparrow. <laughs> oh no! They have to change that his name to, to Justin Sparrow instead. Oh They're like, why is it Iraq Jack? Is it just because it rhymes with um, Iraq. Iraq? I guess so, yeah. But he, he is Jack Sparrow. But, like, <laughs> but the but treatment like, of that character is bleak. Yeah. Hmm. Like, how they treat that cr- character is cruel. The way they act like he's. And it's such a small town as well. Like, they all know him. He didn't just stumble in there. Why aren't they being more welcoming to him and helping him out like he's clearly struggling with ptsd very obviously presumably like there are some other veterans in that town like that's the thing exactly is he the only one (laughs) is he the only one who enlisted and they're like well sucks to be you iraq exactly well tough (laughs) it's your fault for going (laughs) the rest of us were conscientious objectors um but like the thing is, like, it's it's the, it's a weird invert of that, like, spooky town story, where instead of being a story about, like, outsiders who arrive in a town of assholes, it's assholes who arrive in a town that mostly seems functional if you give or take the occasional child porn dungeon. <laughs> if you accept maybe, like, you know, Pastor John Wayne, the town itself seems mostly functional um, in a way that, say, Suburbia and Donnie Darko doesn't. Uh, which is yeah, it, it's 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 a bad. It's it's like they don't know how to tell the story that they're telling. It uh, it does kind of feel like a ghost town though. Like when you said it was filmed in Utah, I was shocked because I wrote down this was clearly filmed in Canada because that's what it felt like. It because with the mountains and everything. Although you say Utah, that makes sense now. But yeah, it doesn't it doesn't feel like a functional town at all. The geography is really off. Like it's never clear where anyone is relative to anything else when the whole car accident happens it's very strange where does that other car come from (laughs) like it's just like are there other cars even on the road we never see another car and yeah it's like as a town it just doesn't feel real even for a second it feels like somewhere where just the crew is and that's it how does anyone even make any money when you see ed westwick working his little shop job I was like, wait, did he always work there? Or was he, does he have to work there now because he's injured? Like, what's going on there? The dresses that the secondhand stores sell are outside the price range of like professionals in that town. The economy yeah. doesn't make sense. What is that? The styling is wild. No way they could support that yeah. business. Yeah. Well, they're it's obviously a- not making any money. Like, because who's buying that? Nobody's buying that dress. That dress, by the way, is insane. Like, what like- is that dress? And that what she wears it to is crazy as well. Even if it wasn't a picnic, it's still like, why? And he insists on her wearing it like she's so overdressed for the occasion. It looks oddly like like um, a lot of uh, contraceptives have been kind of knitted together. It looks like diaphragms or condoms are, are just kind of like woven into this kind of pattern, that dress. 
it's it 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 is truly bizarre. Well, they they definitely get their mileage out of it when in all the dream sequences that look like I mean, she looks like she's in an Evanescence video. Like it's. Yes. I want to hear something really depressing about this, right? Oh, no. I know that this is like eight years after the original Donnie Darko, and obviously inflation is a thing. This cost half a million dollars more than Donnie Darko did. Well, we don't see any of that money on the screen. Yeah, like not well, a penny. Well, I suspect. I suspect you, you do. It's just spent very poorly. Like the extras. Of the I was going to say that they spend it all on the incredibly animated Tesseract sequence. I have to say at this point, <laughs> the minute a film uses the word Tesseract, I'm out of it. Never a good sign. It, it never bodes well. Be it a Marvel film, be it this. I think it pops up in one of the later Cube films. Nope. Tesseracts. Kiss of death. And it looks like a window screensaver animated. It's just what? Well, it's 1995, Bernice. Like if if window screensavers weren't falling from the sky, it was never there. Never <laughs> was a better time. I I think when 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 we spoke about like just kind of throwing um, crap at the screen and like hoping it sticks, there's two kind of budget blues brothers kind of men in black oh at the cinema outside the cinema that's yeah yeah no but they're they're in the diner earlier on at the point where they're they're finishing a drink and they're like and then they're like this sucks (laughs) and then and then you see these two guys in sunglasses and kind of like uh, you know men in black kind of like g-men sort of thing walking past that nothing's ever done with that i didn't even notice that <laughs> that's, that's an example of a difference between like this movie and like the original donnie darko where the original donnie darko has obviously like the fat guy in the tracksuit or yeah. it has the woman at the at the stage show um you know i i do doubt our commission our commitment to sparkle motion we haven't mentioned them yet <laughs> but you do have like at the stage show you have the strange woman there as well but like kelly's explained in his head it makes perfect sense the guy in the tracksuit is like an faa agent who's keeping track of the family trying to figure out if they know something about what's going on and the woman um at the concert is obviously the ed mcmahon kind of talent scout they just look unusual because they don't belong in that milieu and the film never explains it but there's an internal logic in the film even if it's not articulated for what they are whereas here it's just like uh men in suits look strange right so if we have a couple of them in shots it'll make the movie weird and quirky and gooky (laughs) which doesn't make any sense whatsoever and again, the meteors and stuff like that as well, where it all feels very budget X-Files, except this is a movie. I know it's set in 1995, but it's a movie made in 2009. Mm. What is any of this doing? What is any of this about? What is any of this? What is the point of this? But considering the time setting as well, and the fact that you say it cost half a million more, why are there no 90s jams at all? Yes. Like considering that's what Donnie Darko is kind of known for is that cool 80s music. Like, they couldn't afford anything? Well, they Nothing? Use, they didn't use the Chemical Brothers song at the start, which is period-specific. Did they? Not, not, not a well-known Chemical Brothers song, though. Alive Alone, is there something like that? What's it called? I can't yeah. remember what it's called. But oh, yes. God, it clearly went over my head. Okay, so just one. One is better well, than... It clearly went over mine. As well. <laughs> one is better than nothing. <laughs> it's odd that they actually do use a fair amount of period-specific uh, music, but it's not echoic. It feels like anachronistic yeah just like the, the 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 movies are as well like like 12 monkeys and strange days both came out before oh, sorry sorry um sorry after the the events in the movie the, 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 and and that shouldn't really matter but 
that like it, it's just another thing that can potentially kind of bother you about it where where it speaks to a kind of a carelessness yeah. where it's it's like um 12 monkeys was january 1996 this is like june 1995 strange days was October. Um, strange well. days yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. i mean and, and again like not that this not that this matters but watching it like there's a weird sense of like just ripping off kelly's other ideas where like this is like the end of the world will take place on july 4th and it's like that's a potentially interesting statement about american identity and it's like oh no wait that's what richard kelly did in southland tales twice the movie begins with a nuclear bomb on independence day and ends with an explosion and an annihilation of cells on independence day uh in 2008 and it's like you're not just stealing ideas from Donnie Darko. You're stealing ideas that he did better in his bad movie. Like you're you're stealing from his terrible movie and you're doing it worse. It's just it's it's kind of yeah, it it's it's unforgivable. Is there anything else you want to talk about? Anything we haven't discussed already? Anything jumping out at people with regards to S. Darko, <laughs> a Donnie Darko tale, to give it its proper title. I'm shocked they only reuse one shot from the original movie, which is the sparkle motion shot, funnily enough. Mm. Well, you got to provide that backstory. You know, you got you got to. Oh, gotta definitely. Explain. Otherwise, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah, you got to ground the audience in this world. You got to explain who Samantha is, what she wants, what she dreams of, what she aspires of. I mean, you know, story is motion. Dance is motion. Dance is story. <laughs> I also feel like why is it mostly other people's visions and not hers? This there's actually a statement from Chris Fisher about this, which oh. is only going to make you angrier. Which is that they thought it would be clever to invert it. Where instead what? of well, they don't quite invert it though because they she, don't invert she, it. She, she is. <laughs> I told you. She, the I, I did, I the did movie you. is more sort of confused about whether Samantha is Frank or whether Samantha is, is Donny. Yeah. Yes, because absolutely. Whether whether, it, whether Jack is Frank or Jack is Donny. I mean exactly. Sparrow, Jack Sparrow. Jack Sparrow. Jack Sparrow. <laughs> my God, that was a good spot on your part. Oh my God. Thank you. But on on the dog tag, he he's 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 um the it says it it says positive, and he's holding his thumb over the start of it. I don't know. Does that mean that he he's oh my he's god HIV positive? Was that a part of the movie that they wanted to kind of develop, or or does positive mean something else on a dog like- tag? Yeah, oh yes for donate, yeah, like for B like... positive or A oh, positive yes. okay. exactly sorry Reese's uh, positive Reese's negative yeah that makes a lot more sense now to be fair I do think that looking at the movie he could stand to be more positive mm-hmm. oh, yes yeah. alright <laughs> anyway sorry sorry Joey I got you off there I think did you? <laughs> I don't even know anymore. <laughs> I don't even know. What I will say, though, that um, there's a lot of walking around barefoot as well that I found quite strange. It's like I feel like Tarantino would enjoy this movie. <laughs> <laughs> never a moment where anybody puts their feet up on the windshield like for oh, a that's proper... true. There, there isn't a full frontal foot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That. that... And again, the fact that so much of this is kind of copied so carelessly, like the sequence where, like, when Pastor John Wayne, again, we've got Jack Sparrow and John Wayne in this movie. John Wayne takes her to, like, hit on her inappropriately. And again, 
there's something potentially interesting there in the idea that all men are creeps, which is like for a 2009 movie is an interesting idea to push if they did anything with it, where you have like Jeremy Frame is yeah you know, is really mm, creepy nice and guy. possessive, nice guy kind of thing going on there. But the bit where he takes her to creep on her, Wayne takes her to a cinema, which is clearly meant to evoke that famous, you know, arguably the most iconic sequence from Donnie Darko, the one that they take all the stills from, which is like Frank and Gretchen and Donnie watching Evil Dead. But it's it's in a theater that is well lit and clean and they're sitting in the front row. <laughs> and it's like, if you're going to do the homage, do the homage. If Why do it this way, which is so half-assed and so lazy? It's like you describe Donnie Darko to a child and ask them to write the sequel to it. Um, if you told me that nobody involved with this movie had ever actually watched it, <laughs> I would believe you. Yeah. Which is kind of frustrating when we get they've to read a really short wikipedia entry and misunderstood yeah. it got a little migraine in their head and they're like i think i got it i think i got it i'm not reading the article again but i think i got it i uh i did kind of like the stuff with jeremy as in that he turned out to be a bit of a prick because i think they were kind of they teased that ed westwick's gonna be the asshole and then it turns out to be somebody else so i thought that was plus like his performance kind of doesn't really hint at it until it's way too late but as you say, they again, they just do nothing with it. She just kind of gets away and that's it. And with the... And he has a rash? Like, yeah, then oh nothing yeah. is done with that either. And I mean, you could say the whole script writing was rather rash, but anyway, sorry. <laughs> Jeremy has a Harry Goldfarb arm. Where, <laughs> from Requiem for a Dream. <laughs> oh, God. He's, it's like is that arm okay yeah yeah it's fine (laughs) oh my god why would you remind me of that now all i can think about is the injecting into the wound i hate Uh, that well andrew only watched that for the first time recently um which is it's a that's a tough watch man in a completely different way to this one (laughs) she says like that rash is gnarly yeah (laughs) the rash actually looks pretty good from like a body horror standpoint but it's just that it doesn't go anywhere. It goes up the arm, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't yeah. know if it goes anywhere on his body. <laughs> but she also mentions herpes as like, is that part of God's plan? And then kisses a bus window. <laughs> like, <don't> do that. <laughs> yeah. What is that with the Ending heart with the and the kiss? Yeah. It looks so... like a question mark and then it's a heart and that's yeah. But it's, it's, who thought that was, I mean, somebody obviously thought that was really deep, Profound, really yeah. artistic. Yeah. And she commits to it 100% where she, like, because she's great. Like, she is good. But it's just, who is this person? And what does this person want out of life? Oh, I guess I'll go home then. How do they even still have money? How are they surviving with no money? Don, they, didn't, they didn't mention it in the original, but Donnie had a very hefty life insurance policy. Um, ha! <laughs> well, her parents are rich, I suppose. That's a good point. But it, do, it does that thing, you know, I think that Why? sequels or Why? TV adaptations often do, because they clearly only have rights to certain material, where it basically craps all over characters from the from the original property in an effort yeah. to give themselves a bit of a storyline. So all we know about her relationship with her parents is they kind of like after Donnie died, they rejected her and she felt, and you're thinking that doesn't line up with the family no. that I saw in that film at all. Um, it just, it's not at all. Plus she says that uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal retrospectively tries to ruin characters from the first film, which I think again, as we've talked about adds to the, to the overall insulting nature of this 
effort. Holmes Osborne turned us down, did he? Um. <laughs> oh God! But they, but they say that Maggie Gyllenhaal went off and get mar- went off and got married, and she never sees her anymore. That doesn't track no, either doesn't, at it all. Really doesn't. It doesn't track. Like that's not who that woman was. I mean, she's not even thirty yet. <laughs> but they never have a scene either. And if you're going to make a bad sequel, you know, go whole hog. They never have a scene where Samantha says. You know what went wrong? I doubted my commitment to Sparkle Motion. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. it would have explained so much. It would have redeemed the film. Did you mention briefly that she had a dream of being a dancer? And and they have her unicorn story as well. Yeah, they have like they read the unicorn and a princess like, princess fantasy. Like they they do that thing again where you take very minor details and like it becomes the plot of the next thing. And you're like, it basically they're doing what um, Disney's doing to Star Wars right now. <laughs> Yeah. But it, it, is, it is a Donnie Darko tale. Um, like it's, it's kind of interesting how this feels like a blueprint for a lot of what followed. Yeah. But yeah, like, and, and again, and you mentioned, I think last week, but like the leaning into the lore where it feels like this took the worst stuff from Donnie Darko, which is like the notes and the exam stuff where it's like the manipulated living, the manipulated dead, the tangent universe, the prime, the prime universe. Like the bit where there's a sequence of her reading the book that Donnie read to understand what's happening. And it decides to like double down on the whole like time travel reset stuff. Uh, like it uses like the Doctor Who time vortex special effect like four times <laughs> inexplicably over the course. Yeah. Where it kind of like goes through the wormhole or whatever. And it's like, that's not. Maybe, maybe that's what worked for about Donnie Darko for some people. But it, for me, it's not what I liked about the movie. It's not what connected to me about the movie. And it feels like the people making this have just latched on to all of the wrong things without understanding or thinking about it. Uh, it's really, really frustrating. Um, is there anything else you want to talk about? Anything we haven't discussed already with regards to S. Darko? Joey, I know you said you have a lot of notes, even though you don't remember the movie. <laughs> you, like, woke up having watched it. You, you woke up and the what? credits were rolling. <laughs> I took all these notes. Um, I suppose my big, my biggest issue with it is that it they decided to follow the sister and then just, I don't know, just gave her absolutely nothing to do and we don't learn anything about her. It just it seems like they've kind of let that character down in a lot of ways. I just feel like, why do that? If, unless you're trying to make a point about, oh, well, this was too male centric and now it's a woman. So everyone should shut up. Everyone meaning me. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, and there was a part of me watching. Joey's monkey pole kind of curls a little bit when she says, oh, I feel like Donnie Darko is too male centric. And it's like, well, have we got a director video sequel for you? <laughs> <laughs> but I also feel like in a weird way, when I was watching it, I thought, if it wasn't tied into Donnie Darko, maybe it would have been better. Maybe that was kind of where it started to go wrong for them, where they were just trying to juggle too much. Because I do think the performances are genu- generally good. And as you say, there's a lot of, of talent in there. But yeah, it just, it goes completely off the rails almost almost immediately. When I saw that bejeweled headband, I was like, oh no, <laughs> what's going on here? Something, they look, because they look like they'd come from a festival in the desert. And then it was, they were on this road trip. The little windmill and like the windmill yes. and the kid in the car opposite. And the windmill gets crushed by a car behind them. And it's like, it just is this an advertisement for Bud Light? I feel like this is an advertisement yes. for Bud Light. <laughs> they probably did meet at Burning Man. That's what they look like. And and, and now they're best friends. Mm. <laughs> Even though Corey seems bad. Corey seems terrible, right? We talked I think we talked about this, but Corey She is terrible. This they, they don't know each other. They've only they they they're they're having one of these like intense friendships that like 
where 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 you haven't like really taken the time to get to know the person <laughs> and they're only finding out like after after you've devoted yourself to them that, that how terrible so they are because you have like sam <laughs> realizing that like when Corey tries to skip on the bill and it's like i don't know this person at all i doubt my commitment to sparkly headband woman <laughs> Um. <laughs> <laughs> oh she's very committed to sparkle motion but she also seems much older than her like Deve Chase is believably I think she's about 17 right yeah because she was like 10 when she made like Donnie Darko she was a proper kid yeah yeah so it would have been about right but she just seems so much older than her I'm like why are they even hanging out? how'd you meet this person <laughs> like, um, that's that's Brianna Barbara Jane uh, Evagen who's best known for her roles in the Step Up series um, and- excuse me also Sorority Row remake <laughs> And Mother's Day, The Devil's Carnival, Mind Games, and the second season of From Dust Till Dawn. Um, is is Mother's Day is 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 that a um, who's who's Penny Marshall's father again? <laughs> Penny um, Marshall. Uh, Gary. No, that it's a horror movie directed by Darren Lynn Bozeman, best known for his work on the Saw franchise, such as yeah, Saw it's Two. A, it's a remake of a film from the seventies. It's actually yeah. quite good. It does sound Kessler, like a Gary Marshall movie. It's like a home invasion it, film. Yeah, it does. It does sound like a movie that should have like Julia Roberts and George Clooney on the poster. To be fair. Um, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> also, she starred in a movie that I disappeared down a Wikipedia wormhole but didn't have time to watch, which is "Love Is All You Need," <laughs> which imagines uh, a world in which heterosexuals are a persecuted minority and I'm like, I need to back away from this movie as quickly as possible. But also, <laughs> what? Um. <laughs> so yeah, so there's 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 a lot going on there, but yes, she's also known for the the step Sorry, up. That's movie. A, the premise of a, a in retrospect slightly dodgy Charles Beaumont short story from the 1950s. Um, that's the exact premise. I can't remember the name, but I'm just curious now to see if that's a terrible if that uh, was an adaptation of it. Yeah, um, he's a Charles Beaumont gets Get forgotten him. about <laughs> post-war horror writers. That's one was. Um, it made sense in the 50s, I guess, but it, the premise has not aged well. <laughs> it's like when you watch early Star Trek The Next Generation, they're like, let's go to the planet where women are in charge. Isn't that crazy? It's like, it's like, wow, at least it's better than the planet we went to with all the black people on it last week. And it's like, uh-oh. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, no, I think Brent Spiner's observation is I'm really glad we got all our racism and sexism out early. Most shows let it simmer, but we just got it out there right away. Um <laughs> I like oh, the right. last one. They had terrible representations of the Irish. Oh, up the long ladder. Yes, the space oh, Irish. Yes. <laughs> Where they tried to make putching in the warp coils, if I remember we, correctly. We somehow got the space, but we were still crying around pigs under our arms, etc. Oh, God. William Riker, did your mother not teach you anything about washing a woman's feet? Yes. Oh. We got our independence in 2025, wasn't it? That is an actual line. <laughs> is it 2025? 2024? The, the, the Irish reunification? 2024 yes according to the high the high ground yes uh which suspiciously never made it to british television the episode Mm. like was not aired on british television i think until like 2010 and i think even then they cut that line out um because it's like even the subtext was too strong um yep all right uh and i do love that shot of like colin meany is in the space irish episode and i've never seen anybody look quite as uncomfortable as colin (laughs) meany um I mean, it must have felt like a, nearly a hate crime to call on me. That's yeah. <laughs> that's, that's very great. strong language, but you know, it was, that would be hard to sit through, to be honest, wouldn't it? So like going to a Carol's, a Carol's gift shop, you know, and being, you know, I also feel sorry for the people who work there, you know, surrounded by leprechauns the whole day. Um, 
I had a partner who used to do like a, an American kind of like student thing. Um, like it used to do American summer school um, over in Trinity. And they used to have to go to the Leprechaun Museum. And they described it as the most humiliating experience for any of the Irish staff. Bless them. Having to take the Americans to go and see the Leprechaun. And there's like, there's like to give an example of what the Leprechaun Museum is, which I have never been to, but I've heard a lot about secondhand because this person went for like six consecutive years. Um, They have like a box of lucky charms in a glass case as the centerpiece of an exhibit. Jesus. Um, That's... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they have another room with oversized furniture so you can feel what it might be like to be a leprechaun. Um, that sounds I'm fun. Julie's <laughs> 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 like, I completely turned around on this pitch. Um, I'm going to do that. <laughs> um, all right, we've wandered off F- S. Darko. I almost said F. Darko. We've wandered off S. Darko a lot. F. F. Darko. Really. <laughs> I wonder why. Yeah. Is there anything anybody else wants to say? Anything from anybody's notes? Bernice, last chance to vent. Anything you want to get out there um, before we kind of wrap up? All I'll say is that when I first started watching this, I was fairly certain it would belong to that tradition of highway horror films where it turns out, twist, people are dead all along, which goes from Carnival of Souls to Reeker to lots of other mostly very mediocre films. But in actuality, it turned out to be even worse than that. So, um... If you're going to watch a film about spooky stuff happening on a highway, uh, supernatural-wise, watch uh, Dead End instead, which is a much better film. All right, then. All right, so what we normally do at the end of the podcast is we ask our guests to recommend something for listeners, something that you're enjoying at the moment. It could be something related to the movie, something unrelated to the movie, just something that brings you a little bit of joy. This is going out, I think, the weekend literally of Halloween, so maybe something a bit spooky. Um, so to give yeah. Bernice and Joey a chance to think about it, I'm going to ask Andrew to go first. So something something I read recently that didn't give me any joy, but which was which was very good and worthwhile and certainly scary was uh, uh, Putin's People uh, by by Catherine um, Belton. And it basically tells the story of the development and rise of, of uh, uh, Vladimir um, Vladimirovich uh, Putin through the KGB, uh, 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 um, alleged links with the kind of Soviet kind of... Uh, resourcing of of terrorism in the in the um in in germany in the kind of 70s and 80s and then the 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 connection with the kgb and the way that they kind of uh siphoned and continue to siphon money out of uh, russia into kind of friendly firms on the other side of the uh, kind of iron curtain to keep all of this money to try to um, kind of keep the the old kind of KGB channels open, um, and their their support of and their connection to organized crime, and it, it's it's and 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 this connection to so many um, uh, crimes that kind of continue, obviously. Um, uh, to this day and the people the people around him and the 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 the, the, the kind of fickleness of power or um, rights or progress in Russia because it, it's all kind of um, depends on the the the, the winds um, and machinations of 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 these people there's also a kind of a, a, a suggestion that people wanted to put blood on Putin's hands to 
um, to make it more difficult for him ever to leave um, because there were people whose interests uh, were, were were served by him staying staying in place and it, it's it's it, it's it, it's interesting because it's all about kind of kleptocracy the the Siloviki they call them the kind of security officials of the KGB who became the new kind of oligarchs um so it's a horror story nice nice yeah all right then and Bernice what would you recommend um well I'm trying to catch up with sort of the best of recently released contemporary horror fiction at the moment which is a really nice task so I've just I'm reading a really good um short story collection there's only three stories in it a guy called Eric LaRocca but a brilliant title, which is called Things Have Gotten Worse Since We Last Spoke. Um, so the title, the title <laughs> story is really more, of, more of a novella about online, an encounter in an online chat room. And the ending, I had the misfortune to read this story shortly after I'd eaten. <laughs> and I sorely regretted it, which is high praise. Uh, it genuinely turned my stomach. It was so well done. And uh, it's really, it's really kind of... Um, pushing the boundaries in terms of body horror and, and it, it's it's doing something quite very, very interesting. Um, and I've also f- recently finished a really brilliant, um, unique kind of spin on the Haunted House novel by an author called Sarah Gailey called, um, that's G-I-L-E-Y, and her name, her book is called um, uh, Just Like Home. And it takes that, you know, f- uh, sort of a bit of a cliche now, which is someone discovers that their father is a serial killer. There's actually loads of books like that at the minute. But um, it's connected with a kind of a haunted house narrative and it's just tremendous and it comes together brilliantly in the end. And um, her last book called The Echo Wife, which was kind of a, we, we mentioned The Stepford Wives last week, was kind of a, almost like a, it had some of the elements of The Stepford Wives, but mixed with genetic engineering and much more interesting stuff as well happening there. So yeah, um, Just Like Home by Sarah Gailey and um, Things Have Gotten Worse Since We Last Spoke. <laughs> Um, by Eric LaRocca um, are both fantastic and I really recommend them so um, yeah if you're into horror with the caveat that the LaRocca book in particular don't eat after re- don't read after eating <laughs> don't, don't maybe don't don't and certainly don't don't read whilst you're eating um, is another uh, <laughs> the book gives just, you enough to chew over um. exactly. I've just thought of something actually sorry that I want to recommend I want to kind of sneak it in I'll try to be quick but um, from 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 listening to Bernice, it made me think of it. Last year, I read the the dangers of smoking in bed by uh, Mariana Enriquez, which is kind of a it's a, it's 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 it, uh, it's sort of a a um, a series of kind of sh- short stories, all sort of along the the same kind of macabre themes. Like there there's kind of like all sorts of um like um i i i i won't actually give anything away but it's 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 very kind of like um uh, creepy kind of um um terrifying stuff and it's it like each one kind of stays with you um so i'd I'd recommend that the the danger of the smoking in bed as well and joey what would you recommend um because it's halloween i would say watch some horror so we talked about shudder last week shudder's excellent there's so much great stuff on there and it's so cheap as we said it's like a fiver a month and if you want to go to the cinema i would say go watch halloween ends because i fully believe they're gonna stick the landing so i hope i'm not gonna eat my words uh so i love the last two i'm like a big halloween um kills defender so I'm really, really excited for I, ends, but I am 
much fonder of Halloween Kills than seems to be the consensus. It's such a nasty movie. I love it. I just think that's it. It's just, it's so relentless. It's brutal. It's so nihilistic as well. Um, yeah, I just, I think it's great. So I'm really, really excited to see how they end it because apparently it's going to be very shocking. So I guess we'll see. Apparently it's changing in post. Like apparently it's changing every couple of days or it was, which is always a good and terrifying sign. When a director's yeah, I mean, like, I don't know how this ends. They could just be messing with us, though. They could just be messing with us by saying that. You know what I mean? Bernice is winning. I haven't recovered yet from when Rob Zombie did Halloween, so... I just wrote a piece defending that movie. Ooh. Not like fully defending it, but just kind of pointing at its virtues. I don't think... Here's the thing. I don't think it's as bad as everyone remembers. I Because I think he... Well, I would argue anyway. I think he was trying to do kind of his own thing and he clearly obsessed about Michael Myers his whole life and wondered how he got the way he was and even though it was definitely just a Rob Zombie take on it I think there's a lot of it that kind of works and funnily enough a lot of that nastiness is present in Halloween 2018 and Halloween Kills like the bathroom sequence in uh, Rob Zombie's Halloween they do that in Halloween Kills or no in Halloween 2018 and yeah it's much better it's much better oh with the podcasters yes with the podcasters it's brilliant the Brits whole <laughs> As soon as we see them, we're like, yeah, get them. They're podcasters <laughs> and they're British. Like it, it's the movie, the movie signposts. It's OK, whatever's going to happen to these people. Exactly. Um. <laughs> well, it's so funny. It's so funny because I remember listening to um, the Halloweenies podcast and they were giving out about it and they were like, oh, it's so cruel. And it's like, well, obviously you'd say that you're podcasters. Yeah, what does anybody think of the poor podcasters? They don't deserve <laughs> oh. it. Sorry, Bernice. It's terrible. No, I was going to say uh, uh, my main objection to Rob Zombie Halloween is. First of all, no offense to poor Sherry Moon Zombie, but she's not a great actress. <laughs> See, she's in everything. Honestly, and she's a massive. Role. I disagree. Uh, I completely disagree. Okay. I think she's shown serious. She's shown serious range across I, his I, movies, just, especially yeah. especially compared to Jen Schwalbach, who is Kevin Smith's wife. She like can't even do a convincing <laughs> line read, and apparently won't take direction from him on set. Okay. I think Sherry, I mean, I don't think Sherry is like an amazing actress. I think she's actress. got good presence, but I just... Um... I just, but if you compare like that, you know, Deborah to Baby um, in the Firefly movies and then also to the Lords of Salem, like that's where he really kind of gave her something to chew on. I think she's impressive. or But maybe it's just because Jen is so terrible <laughs> that I'm like, oh, this woman is convincing when she speaks. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> I'm going to pull the, the, the pin out of a grenade that says I actually quite like Rob Zombie's Halloween too. And I'm going to run away very, very quickly. No, that's actually a lot of horror fans will defend two over one because it's it's trying to do something experimental and trying to do something weird. I also think Sky Taylor Compton is really, really great as Laurie, as like a new you know, really damaged Laurie who almost has PTSD over what's happened. I think that's really, really interesting. The casting of Margaret. Mar it's like making a, a, a new version of Jaws where you explain why Jaws is eating humans. It's because he had a bad childhood. Well, well here's the strip. We watch Jaws 2 and Jaws 3 and Jaws 3D and they do that. They all explain why the shark that's eats That's true. <laughs> well, like, look, here's the thing. Rob Zombie. Maybe because I love the original so much in fairness. I'm probably a bit overly protective of it, you know. So that's no, I look, I, I know adore it too. But really love Rob Zombie, but I just I've I've sat through most of his films, but I just know. Like I'm, yeah, no, I'm a big fan of his. But what I was, what I was, <laughs> um, I have completely forgotten what I was going to say. Something about Rob Zombie. Oh yes, um, okay. Rob Zombie should really have been given the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yes. that should have been his remake yeah. because that fits his like scuzzy backwards kind of vibe. I 
so uh, but looking back he should have done that um but hadn't he kind of arguably already done it in house of a thousand corpses you see maybe that that's yeah that's probably yeah no that's true absolutely what i will say again sorry this is turning into the zombcast <laughs> i apologize no 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 <laughs> we this have is, to do this, a little zombie movie sorry is, <laughs> is he on the bottom 100 <laughs> this is the most this is the most engaged i think joey and bernice have been so I, i'm like this episode so i'm more than happy to let it continue however long you guys want to i am not <laughs> stepping in to play referee what i will say in defense of zombies halloween is that having i i ran all the major franchises uh last year during lockdown a lot of people did the same thing where they watched all the major horror franchises and i will say mm. that with all of them like without a doubt when you hit the remake stage because there's always a reboot remake stage with those it happens with texas chainsaw it happens obviously with halloween it happens with chucky, oh, chucky. Uh, it happens you know again all friday the 13th all those sort of movies all the big like uh nightmare on elm street you always hit the stage where it's like let's hit the reset button and let's do a dark and gritty version of this and what i will say is that zombies halloween I think regardless of however one feels about it, you have to acknowledge that it is the most filmy of those. It's the one that feels most like it comes from somebody who isn't like a studio mandated checklist of things that people recognize from the previous films Mm. where he has a take. And I, I like I'm willing to accept Bernice's argument. The take is terrible, Uh, but at least it is a take. And that I think for me gave it like yeah, when I was watching. But if you consider that A Nightmare on Elm Street came out, like I think it was two years later and that just completely Why? fell over everything. Like oh, poor Jackie Earl Haley can't, he can't even move his face. Uh, so it's definitely nowhere near as offensive as that. I really don't like the rape scene, but that's only in the director's cut. Because he doesn't usually do sexual violence, so I don't know why that was in there in the first place, but whatever. I actually think the last house in the, sorry, last house in the left remake is far superior to the original film. That, mm. Is that the one with Jennifer Lawrence? Am I misremembering? No. Um, that's, last, uh, that's the house at the end of the street. You're so, okay, of. sorry, sorry. So many houses and so many <laughs> So many blonde women. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. Um, and is there anything else you'd recommend? Or is there... Sorry, because we, we go down the kind of Halloween route. Sorry, Joey, is there anything else you recommend? Or is that... I want everyone to watch Halloween Ends. Okay. We have to support it. <laughs> we can do it, you guys. <laughs> Jamie Lee Curtis's last chance. Um, and again, I would I would kind of second all that. Go see a horror movie. Shudder uh, is an amazing streaming service. Mm-hmm. Um, watched on there. The Watcher, uh, which is the, uh, what's her name from It Follows, uh, kind of a new... Micah sc- Monroe. Micah Monroe, new Scream Queen kind of coming up. All for Jackson is on there. Glorious is on there. It's not amazing, but it's as much as you can do with that concept. It's a movie where you look at the concept and you go, that is exactly what the movie that came out of that concept should be. Um, yeah, I completely of, agree. Outside of that, like Jordan Peele's Nope, I thought was fantastic. Prey on Disney Plus is one of the best franchise films of the year. Yes. Cronenberg's uh, Crimes of the Future is a return to body horror for the daddy of body horror. Um, I had a really, really good time with it. This is going to be controversial, I suspect, but I quite liked Alex Garland's Men. Uh, we're all going to the World's Fair. Um, if you haven't seen that, I would wholeheartedly recommend seeking that out as well. Um, and Ty West X, which feels like it feels like that should have been the Texas Chainsaw Massacre reboot we got this year, not Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, um, I thought X was phenomenal, and he's got a new one coming out, Pearl, and he's got yeah, two Max- more. Yeah, he's got Max- yeah, two more. Like this is the thing where like I. I don't normally feel productive anyway, but Ty West is like, I'm going to make three horror, three period horror films in the space of a year. And it's like, (laughs) damn you, Ty West. Um, (laughs) So yeah, I I would recommend uh, all of that. 
All right, then. So if listeners are looking for a bit more Bernice, a bit more Joey online, where can they find you? So, Bernice, I think we haven't mentioned it, but you have a book. (laughs) I have. I have. You mentioned Jordan Peele's Nope, a better product placement. You can read all about Jordan Peele's Us in the final chapter of the California Gothic by me. Cool. All right. That was that was a hands across a linking motif there. Uh, it sure of... was. <laughs> I rewatched us actually. Love us so much. Me too. People are too hard on us. They were like, oh, it was a disappointment. No, it wasn't. Again, they're taking it almost a bit. It's allegorical, people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like the thing is, like Get Out is so overtly about what it's about. Like it's impossible to watch Get Out and not get what Get Out is about. Mm. Whereas Us is like proper Craven Carpenter esque kind of allegory, where it's like it doesn't necessarily map perfectly one for one to any one thing. Is it about class? It's is it about race? Zone. It's broad yeah. stroke social yeah. allegory, and it's it's. Yeah. If you haven't seen Us, people. It's tremendous. Go and watch it. It's great. It Aww. is great. He's three for three. Mm-hmm. Peter Nyong'o's performance is like one of the best performances of the past. She decade. should have gotten an Oscar. It's up there yeah. with Tony Collette not getting it for Hereditary. Yeah. It's yeah. Oscar hates her. Raising a fist in anger. And Bernice hasn't raised a fist yet. This podcast talking about S. Darko. Um, <laughs> that shows you how aggravated she is about the Peter Nyong'o's Oscar snub. Joey, where can we find you? Where are you at? I'm on Twitter at Joey LDG. Fun fact, LDG stands for living dead girl, as in Rob Zombie's living dead girl. That's how much I love Rob Zombie. You're a zombie zombie. <laughs> I'm cool. Are you <laughs> I hope you can forgive my diss of Rob Zombie, Joey. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, don't be silly. Don't be silly. I like everyone. I, uh, here's the, here's my, my take on Rob Zombie. I think Rob Zombie should have had the career that Eli Roth had. That's a very fair Because I think I, I, I think Eli Roth is an immature, like, booby-loving man. And I think Rob Zombie has more more to say. I think he has more of a perspective. No, I am not looking forward to the monsters. <laughs> I'm a big I'm a big Adams Family person, and I just that's like my if it was between the Adams Family and monsters. I don't know. I'm curious to see what he does with it. That trailer is obviously disgraceful. But I have friends who are really into the monsters who say that that is the tone of the monsters. Like I'm not familiar enough with it to say whether it is or not, but that's what they said. So he could have nailed it. I don't know. Another great Sherry Moon performance, perhaps. We'll see her range. <laughs> you mentioned like the idea of like him having the career, like Eli Roth having the career he should have had. Like it does feel like this is his house and the clock and the wall, which is like the one where it's like, what if we get this horror filmmaker to make a family friendly movie that is completely off the walls that nobody is going to see? Um, it could be genius. We don't know. Well, we have to figure out. We have to figure out what we're doing next year because I I don't think I can do this to you again. I don't think I can ask you both to come <laughs> back and do like Blair Witch and Book of Shadows. <laughs> oh, I would gladly do those two. All the Chucky movies. What? Gladly. You, you want to do all the, well, the thing all, is, all the Chucky movies? We want to do with Charlene. I thought is the thing. Yes. Over twenty four hours. Yeah. <laughs> Cheating on um, us, Bernice. What? Cheating on us with someone else. We do Halloween and then Rob Zombies Halloween and then Halloween and I could That that's what I, that was the idea. Yeah, that would be build, brilliant. That was the I'd idea. I'd be so I was, down. I was building. <laughs> okay, we'll do we'll do the Halloweens next year. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to suggest Alien Three and Alien Resurrection, but um, it seems like we've we've won with the Halloweens. All right. I feel I feel like I say this every year, but if you're doing that, what Darren did, kind of, I I, I think with Gorley and Rust is quite a good kind of podcast companion for those movies. I'm like, not comfortable with you describing what Darren did. It makes me sound like I murdered somebody in South County Dublin, and they wrote a very like middle brow uh, book about it. No, no, I don't no, like I, that I don't, movie. I, I, that movie's I'm, disappointing. I, I'm never gonna 
um, uh, tell people about that. Um, <laughs> it, it, I'm taking it to uh, my grave. It's, yeah, exactly. You can trust me. It, it, it's um, you. You you just told on yourself, Darren. That's what happened there. That's there. what happened there. No, it's uh, no it's one will have you, listened this you... far into a podcast about S. Darko for that. that <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I gave you all the clues, Mister Clues. <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah, yeah, it's it, it's quite good because they go through like all the Halloween movies and all the the um, Jason movies and um, etc. They're doing Shucky, I think, at the moment. I know they beat us to it. You you text me very. <laughs> 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 I'm sorry one of us got married and we weren't able to give it to any crazy plan. Hey, that was a long time ago, by the way. You're still using that as the reason why we haven't done more episodes. Like, with the, You're that also was a moving long house. time ago. You, you are also moving house, like, literally right now. I, I love, by the way, that it's like, you're putting this on me. It's like, I decided not to inconvenience you by being like, we should record more. And you're like, Darren... You're you're flaking. You're a flake. Darren. You, you you're you're way out of line, Darren. I am way out of line. <laughs> I'm, oh. I'm, yeah, yeah. With with that in mind, say goodbye to our listeners. I can't stand all you're this fighting. You're gonna get it, Darren. Yeah. Mom and Dad are fighting. I, with that in mind, with that in mind, next week one of two things is gonna happen. Either. The next 365 days will have made the bottom 100, in which case myself and Andrew will be joined by the wonderful Billie Jean Doheny, who is definitely joining us, and the possibly the fantastic Grace Duffy, if I can convince her to join us, to talk about the third and final part in the 365 Days trilogy. Ugh. Yeah. If that has... always talk about <laughs> such crap movies? If that has not <laughs> happened, we will be launching a new season of bird watching. To celebrate the reconfiguring of the 250, which brought back in Brad Bird's Iron Giant and The Incredibles, we'll be covering the three first three movies from director Brad Bird. So joining us in that discussion will be the fantastic Deirdre Malumbi from The Independent, the wonderful Graham Day from Scanon. Geekera? Yep, Geekera. That's, yeah, it's very important to get that one right. Oh, Game Air. Game Air, yes. Next week, we'll be talking about The Iron Giant. The week after, we'll be talking about The Incredibles. And finally, we'll be talking about Ratatouille. Um, and I'm really disappointed they haven't announced a sequel to Ratatouille called Ratatouille. Um, <laughs> with that in mind, we'll see you guys next week. Thank you so much, Joey. Thank Thanks, you so much, Joey. Bernice. I am so sorry about making you watch S. Darko, Wait. but I'm glad we got to talk about Rob Zombie's Halloween. It was fun! <laughs> <laughs> Take care, guys.